0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Thunk Tank Podcast. Uh, this is an extra thunky episode. Uh, thunky, of course, is what happens when you take a thinky brain and you add craft beer. Uh, in this episode, Joe was a bit busy. God knows what he's doing, but Johnny and I uh, did a little cast of our own. Johnny was in Wisconsin, and uh, I guess he was in a hotel room, and I was in my room, and we just talked for about an hour. Um, obviously you could tell from the title that one of the topics was an epic poop that I suppose he took in a Wisconsin museum, and it it sort of sparked a whole bunch of stories about poop. We all poop. Come on, let's be honest. So, uh, we get into that, among other things. If you really are just here for the poop story, skip to around 22, 23 minutes, something like that. Uh, but other topics we hit on, I guess, um, fingerprint scanners, museum entry fees, Uh, New Glarus Brewing, which is a brewing company I hadn't really heard of, but it's apparently really amazing. They only uh, sell their beer in Wisconsin, so it's hard to get, but Johnny talks a lot about that, and God, I don't know, other stuff too. Uh, So check it out. Thanks for downloading. If you uh, like the podcast, please share it with somebody you think might like it, leave a rating or a review wherever you listen to it. And if you really want to support us, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Podcast, And you can uh, download, I think the smallest amount is $1 per episode. Helps us keep the podcast hosted and, you know, go in new directions as we, as we keep going with this thing. Uh, we also have a website at thunktankpodcast.com. We write blog posts there, have various other extra materials. So check that out. And uh, hit us up on social media, email, wherever, and let us know topics you want us to cover, guest ideas, and pretty much anything. Um, Yeah, see you in the tank. Attention, humans. This is a thunk tank. Please insert this podcast directly into your nearest orifice for viewing pleasure.
1: Okay, you ready? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the thunk tank. (laughs) Welcome to the thunk tank Oh yeah Yeah yeah, there you go Welcome to Come into our Come into our
2: thunk tank
1: Luke don't switch to the other (laughs) peanuts (laughs) Welcome to the thunk tank Come in the tank (laughs) We're thinking And we're thinking (laughs) And we're thunked (laughs) And we're thunked
2: (laughs) Oh my god, I'm probably more beer than man if we go far enough back at this point.
1: We're going. We're in. We're in the Matrix. Cool. We're in. So, uh, welcome to the Thunk Tank here. Um, It just took us a lot of uh, technological hotel... Te- hotel wi-fi finagling to make this podcast happen so uh just so you guys know johnny is wearing two sets of headphones right now to make <laughs> this work um and a tissue box holding up a microphone well yeah there's that too also like i i'm on my third beer because uh you know i started drinking beer at 7 30 <laughs> oh yeah, I've been I've been wandering around Madison, Wisconsin, drinking beer all day. So oh yeah, let's that, let's mention that Johnny's in uh, Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, visiting the capital, Madison. Uh, great capital, uh, you know, great capital, great great capital. Uh, doing some business here, but uh, I don't have anything to do today, so I decided to wander around and try all the beer I could and check out the city. The Capitol building is pretty cool. I accidentally ended up sitting in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. That's the best Uh, kind of way to
1: sit in it, though, what you did.
2: (laughs) Yeah, accidentally. I just wandered in and sat down, and I was like, oh, there's a sign that says, like, guests welcome, no food or drink. And I was like, okay, clearly I can't go past this velvet rope. But you could, like, sit in the attendance area, the audience area. Yeah. And, like, a tour group just walked in that I snuck in on.
1: Oh, Uh, I see. I thought thought you kind of just, like, it was quiet in the building, and you just wandered in. I was like, maybe not, but. Well, no, it was good because that part was
2: open, but the tour guide was the only one who could get me into the Senate and the Assembly, which he did when I jumped on the tour. So was cool. it was cool. There's a lot of marble. Yeah. Saying if they, they, It cost like uh, $7 million to build the state capitol when they did it 100 years ago, but to build it again today, like an exact replica, would cost like $1.5 just because the amount of marble in the place, and marble is crazy expensive now. Right. So there's like French and Italian marble and German marble everywhere in that building. That's cool. No, what I saw... thought with government buildings and marble. How come every capital you go to, there's marble everywhere? What's that about?
1: There's there's something more noble about it. Maybe like it it does seem like a very official rock. <laughs> yeah, it's like just brick so that, like, is not as pictures. as impressive. It's like you know the cheap way to build something strong, I guess.
2: Yeah, why is it like you see a wood building? He's like, fuck you, don't tell me how to live. Oh, marble? Okay, I'll do
1: what you say. Like, what's that about? Because it means you probably have to hire security to keep the skateboarders away, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, when you make, like, marble outside, skateboarders are all over that. That's true.
2: But, yeah, interesting little (laughs) town. Uh, Some really good beer in this state. I'm drinking a... Let's do a beer call right now. I'm drinking a New Glarus... uh, they're two women. I just had their Spotted Cow, like, an hour ago, which is, like, their flagship, and it's sort of a farmhouse and style. Word. Uh, but this is two women. This is their lager. But New Glarus is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm sure you should mention people... them, because,
1: like, I, I actually hadn't heard of them.
2: Yeah, and you probably wouldn't, unless you're, like, deep in the beer, nerd nerdy beer world, because uh, they don't... It even says on the can, only in Wisconsin... Like it was a deliberate act. They don't really they don't want to, and they definitely don't distribute outside of the state. So it only leaks out through people basically. Yeah. People want it in Minnesota. You got to drive over the state line and pick up a case. Uh, But it's really, it's everywhere in the state because of that, but it's really good craft beer. I wonder what the trade value is if
1: you bring it back to North Carolina.
2: uh, It's pretty popular. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, Traded quite a few beers to get my hands on some New Glarus myself from friends that were traveling or had friends coming down from Wisconsin. But I've only ever gotten, I think, one or two cans. Uh, my friend Sarah brought me a bottle. I'm going to go to their brewery tomorrow, I think, and I'll, I'll do a deeper review on it. Uh, she's going to be on the cast soon, though, but we'll go over New Glarus, I'm sure, when she does. But a lot of breweries start growing, and then they just focus on that growth model. And, you know, you sacrifice, even if you're not sacrificing quality, which when you scale up any industry, you're going to, uh, you are definitely sacrificing the local, like the locally aimed uh, mindset, you know, like gear, the local gearing to gear towards your local market. Like, what does it mean to brew? Because they're about an hour outside of Madison, but also Wisconsin, like having a purview and saying that's what we make. That's who we're making it for rather than we're brewing beer, what is what do the most people want most of the time? That's how you end up beers all end up kinda of tasting the same, you know? Yeah. You're all trying to capture the same market. Whereas it's kinda of cool what they're doing. It's they just make beer for Wisconsinians, Wisconsin, Wisconsinites. I don't, I, I, I don't know, I could yet. I could venture a guess that it's
1: not Wisconsinites. But their, their, but.
2: their logo is, yeah, probably not, but their logo is pretty distinctive. It's the state of Wisconsin as a fingerprint, and I think it's one of the owner's actual thumbprint, um, which is kind of weird to have on... It's
1: kind of weird now that they use fingerprint um, things for cell phones and whatnot. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> good, good luck. Yeah, anyone could sign into their iPhone account. By the way, speaking of I, fingerprint sensors, what's the first... What's the first security concern you can imagine at a fingerprint entry into a phone compared to, like, a digit, like, punching in numbers?
2: Uh, Well, the classic, like, spy movie one is the—that's the obvious one. The more terrifying one is someone cuts my thumb off to—and then just
1: carries my finger in a bag so they can get access to everything. Uh, That's why I don't like the idea of retina scanning. I was more worried about, like, drunkenly passing out, and someone's like, oh, hey, true. grab Luke's thumb. It's right there. Right. Whereas, Whereas if, if you're I'm wasted, passed out, they they can't hack into my brain and say, like, easily. give me the code. Yeah, not, not with any amount of ease. They can't. Unless they're like Rick or something, you know, then whatever. You're fucked yeah. anyways. If they're a
2: superhuman, they could. Yeah, I don't right. like all that stuff. I don't even keep my phone locked, uh, because as a bartender, I've found cell phones at the bar before, or, like... Yeah, I was at the park once and I found a phone and and you know, I I don't want your phone. First of all, I, I just don't want it. I have one. But also, I know you could track them and stuff and and the shame factor of you running into me and being like, "What are you doing with my phone?" and I'd be like, "Uh, like, it's just, it's not worth it. So my instinct is always to call the, whatever number says home or mom whenever I find a lost cell phone, because yeah. your mom will get in touch, find a way to get in touch with you or can get in touch with someone who can get in touch with you usually. So if you ever find a lost usually, phone, yeah. I always call the home number because it's, it's, if you're an adult, it's either your house or your parents' house if you're a student. And uh yeah, but people lock their phones and I'll try to like, I'll be like, oh, is it one, two, three, four? Nope. All right, I give up. And then th- <laughs> that's it.
0: That
2: I is- love how you give it the honest try of one, two, three, well, four. No, I used to try all the obvious ones, one, 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 zero, 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 zero. But we were doing it with my friend's phone, and he snatched it away from us and freaked out because it was a work phone. And he works in um, system security, sis, uh, secure- systems security and an analyst. Anal- I don't know. He does computer network security stuff. And he was like, no, our phones are set up. If you put, like, five of the wrong guesses in, it wipes your phone. Because they assume yeah, someone's I, trying I to hack
1: Yeah, I think my it. phone does that
2: after really? 10 That's crazy. wrong ones.
1: Really? That's Well, I was almost about to wipe my friend's phone and, like, erase all of People them. People do it as a joke all the time because the phone's backed up to the cloud. But the idea is if somebody guesses the wrong password, um, like, 10 times in a row, they're probably not, like, you know, drunk and trying to get into the phone. They're probably, like, nefariously trying to guess a password. Right. Um. So, I know people that would do that as a prank just to fuck with someone's phone. They'll purposely type in random things 10 times, and now the person's locked out of their phone for sometimes it locks you out for like 24 hours or something like that.
2: Oh, uh, okay. But e- even if it wipes their phone and their phone's backed up, you still, haha, you have to go through the trouble of <laughs> recovering your <laughs> you phone. You want to hear
1: the craziest story? I know a kid that um, he's, he's a bartender and he was telling a story to me and my friend and basically he went up to a cabin to go skiing for the weekend with his family and got so blacked out drunk that he decided you know what my four digit passcode is not secure enough i'm going to change it while blacked out drunk and he he woke up and he was like the fuck's going on with this like why is my passcode like seven digits now or something oh you could change how
2: many it is
1: there's different versions. You can make it like a longer like 10 or, or a shorter like four digit pin code kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he changed it. And then when he woke up, like he had no idea that he did it. He probably realized at some point. But when you bring a phone that is lo- that you're locked out of to Apple, they don't unlock it for you. Like they they build their devices to be unhackable. Like that's why the whole FBI thing happened, so where they, they couldn't get into open the phone. It for
2: you. What can you do then? Yeah, you're just,
1: you're just screwed. You're just screwed. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. like what what if you set your phone to do that? You know. Uh, to, to to be something you can't break into, then, you know, don't be so dumb as to black out, change your passcode, I guess, is the lesson See, there. this is why I don't have passcodes on my
2: phone. I don't do any online banking on my phone. I don't have any credit cards stored on it or any
1: financial information. I have, I guess, like, email and stuff like that, but... Uh, I would love to be like that, but, like, I just, you know, when I'm running to catch the train and I have the MTA app that buys my train ticket for me, I you know fuck it <laughs> just jump the turnstile like like I do no okay
2: <laughs> yeah uh, no I, I i like not having anything on my phone i don't have the banking app every time i go to the bank and i like try to do something dumb like get an account balance or deposit a check like, you know you could do this on your phone just take a picture i'm like yeah then i have to worry about it you're the bank you handle all the security stuff that's why you're you you know you're robbing me blind yeah. generally right is cuz you're the ones that are trustworthy and i'm not so uh, I, I mean i, I both just, get I that but i don't have anything to hide in my relationship either so like i don't i just leave it unlocked i don't have a lock screen
1: don't you want to cash a check on your phone though you just take a picture of it and it goes in there no one day Who i can't? do that all the time i don't have to go to the bank anymore pre- pretty much <laughs> i take a picture of <laughs> the it
2: check that, is it that hard to go to the bank though it's so hard, dude. It's harder than doing laundry. No, the bank is so easy because everyone's on their phone. When you go in the bank and you're under 50, they're surprised to see you. They're like, what's going on? Like,
1: Dude, all- there is no they anymore at my bank. It's all robots. Well, that's your fault. Get a better <laughs> bank. I mean, that's a credit union. Like, they're, they're kind of behind the times, but they have one teller now instead of having like the normal yeah, eight and or, that or one whatever. One teller is probably free most of the time. So, yeah, because like the robots are way better. It it was the first time I used the fully automated like machine where it, it's like a, it's a whole kind of teller experience but just a machine, yeah. but it felt weird. And I I I don't go there if I don't have to when I can just take a picture on my phone. Anyways, yeah, I'm drinking Anchor Steam, by the way.
2: Oh, nice. You drank so, that last time.
1: Yeah, because like the corner store I right around w- where I live, I can just walk 2 minutes to a store. And my choices are Sierra, which is another beer I have here, or um, Anchor Steam. Otherwise, I have to get. You know what I saw—the Sam Adams New England IPA. Have you heard about that? Oh no! How's that? I I I I haven't had it, but like I I can just imagine that. Like, you know, I don't want to waste my New England IPA beer on a Sam Adams. I'd rather have something else.
2: You know, Anchor Steam isn't an
1: independent craft brewery anymore, right? Um, they're maybe I knew Sa- that. Maybe I didn't. They're owned by Sapporo, the the Japanese. Oh yeah, brewery. yeah, I knew that. That that happened about a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh Just well, saying. it happens. I mean, I always ask myself, like, if I had a brewery of any size that was doing well, but um, it was like taking up too much of my time, and there was an offer. From some big company to buy it, like I, I can't guarantee you that I wouldn't say yes to that. I don't think so anyone can to sell what the Thunk Tank, Thunk Tank Brewery. What if you were offered a billion dollars for
2: the Thunk Tank? Would you sell it?
1: Sell what the the concept?
2: Our podcast to create all the a past billion content. dollars. Uh, uh, okay. Let's say a thousand.
1: One thousand.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, pick a number in between. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like maybe a million is reasonable let's
2: say 500,000
1: 500,000 and they own my voice from the no, past they get
2: yeah they get every episode done so far any characters created on the thunk tank uh,
1: uh, uh you know all that oh so they would own johnny genie yes not to imply that that's a character in any way but the the version of the pot on the podcast they would own yeah Um. Yeah, I think we would all probably be smart to take that money and change the name of the podcast to Dunk Tank. Like, what's the fucking difference? Yeah, you're right. Just take the money and start over. On the one version, we have Dunk Tank podcast, and we have five hundred thousand dollars worth of promoting power. And on the other version, we're still just Thunk Tank, and the weird guy who offered us five hundred thousand dollars you know, just goes on to the next random podcast. Maybe he'll buy the next one we do.
2: Yeah. Or the next
1: people will say yes. I would be the same way
2: with a brewery. Like, sure, I'll sell my brewery. If I really like love the art of brewing so much that I can't give it up, just start over. Now you don't have to worry about the money side so much, or you can be your own. Exactly. I was just looking it up and Sapporo has one brewery in the U S and it's in La Crosse, Wisconsin on the other side of the state for me right now. That's kind of cool. Huh? So nice. good, Good pick
1: of beer. I assume you did that on purpose. Well done. Luke. Oh, I I, mean, when, when you said we might podcast um, while I'm in Wisconsin uh, a couple days ago, I thought I would better get some Anchor Steam because of the Sapporo deal. Yeah, smart. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a far thinker, you know. So should I read the first thing that you sent me on your uh, Wisconsin notes? Sure. I was kind of buzzed at the bar just typing up a list of thoughts. But yeah, well, I forget so here the list are, here are uh, Johnny thoughts from being in Wisconsin. I, did, I don't have it in front of me, so you got to remind me well I'll start I'll start with an easier one and we'll we'll get to the uh, the, the the women pooping thing. Oh yeah um, oh yeah okay <laughs> So this one's pretty interesting Museum donations should mm. you give the donation so, when you enter or when you leave?
2: Yeah, I went to the Wisconsin State History Museum, which is kind of geared towards kids and field trips mostly, but there's some cool stuff and like tools from frontier days and from the the indigenous people and all that crap. But like I walked in and I asked the guy, "Oh, how's this work?" And well, actually, I just walked in. I was gonna figure it out, and he stopped me. he's like, "Hey, have you ever been here before?" I was like, "Oh, no." He's like, "Oh, well, let me tell you about it." And he did the whole spiel of what's on each floor. And he goes, "And we just asked for a five dollar donation and blah blah blah." I was like, "Okay, great, thanks." Where are the stairs? And he's like, "Oh, they're over there." And like, stared daggers at me as I walked past the donation. Five dollars. Like, Bro, donation it's box. not
1: a suggested donation if, if, if people are going to get pissed that you don't do it.
2: Right. And it's like, <laughs> and it's not that I'm one of those guys who won't give money to museums and stuff, or, oh, it's not mandatory. Then I'm not going to pay it. I'm not that cheap. It's just. But I'm no hero. <laughs> well, I was going to wait and see how good the museum was. I ended up spending about two hours. Oh, you
1: there. genuinely thought like you might catch the box on your way out. I did. Well, no, I meant to. Like I forgot not, to. But I was going to put $5 <laughs> in on the way out, which... Uh, but, but I, I mean, I it think, wasn't like a separate area. You you could you could pass by it on your way out. Yeah, it was the same. There's only one entrance exit. Oh, because sometimes uh, the donations are people like behind a desk. So it's like... No,
2: no, it's just a little plexiglass box with a hole in it with the money in it. So you could see how little they made that day to, I think, also shame uh, you into putting money in. Um, yeah. But I, I'm going to go back this weekend anyway. So I'll, I'll donate then. But... Uh, I really did just forget I was on the phone when I walked out, but I I like to do that with museums. And then when I walk out, I go, Oh, this was really good. Cause if I walk in and it's $5, I'll put the $5 in and whether it's good or bad, I leave. But some museums you'll spend hours and hours walking around. You'd be like, wow, I got like four hours of, of like entertainment out of this. I'm going to give them 10 bucks. And I really, I really will do that sometimes. So I just, and also when I walked out, nobody even noticed me walking out. So it, it it's weird that the shame is to get you to pay when you go in a flat rate rather than, uh, you know, like hey, pay like the Patreon model, like pay what you think it's worth because you'd probably get yeah. more one dollar donations than five dollars, and you can get
1: some six,
2: ten, whatever. Um, well,
1: like the whole suggested donation thing. Um, I really know a lot of museums that say, like, here's the suggested donation; and it could be as high as twenty, but you can get in for as little as a penny. And the point is, you have to give something to get in. That's not but, a donation, then. Well, I I don't know what it was worded like specifically, but anyways, I, I just grabbed change out of my pocket and, and threw that in. Me and my girlfriend were going into a museum in London, and I was like, 20 pounds each? Are you kidding? Like, converting to dollars, it's even more. And I was like, it's literally 5.30, we just want to walk around for 25 minutes before it closes, like here's seventy five cents or you know whatever the the equivalent was in in um in british Pence. money and uh they looked at me like i'm a I'm a fucking psycho, you know, like that's all you're giving I'm like I'm gonna be here for twenty five minutes like you know you if it was nine was a m and I'm gonna spend yeah. all day
2: right and so i I mean I'm sure that's the shitty millennial way of thinking, the a la carte way of thinking about things, but uh. Yeah, I they would mean... probably
1: get less donations, honestly, if they did it on the way out, though, because people are used to paying for products before they know how good they're really going to be. Like you, you buy a movie before the movie. You don't. Mm. But the idea is museums are mostly funded not from ticket sales, but from. You but know, rather than
2: ask for a higher level donation that you know you're not going to get from everyone, like they ask for five dollars because they know whatever percentage of people, or they ask for twenty because they figure you know a third, a quarter of people aren't going to give us anything, so that'll average out to fifteen, which is what we actually need per person to to keep operating or whatever. But I would almost rather you just like tell me the set amount then, like it's three fifty. Yeah. We we would like five, but it's three fifty to get in.
1: If you want to donate, or also, if they want to be really transparent, they could show like, um, let's say a quarterly goal. They know they have to hit this amount of money to stay a functioning museum, and it's sort of like a scale that just shows like how close they are to the quarterly goal. And if you yeah. see they're really far away, it might induce you to throw in forty instead of twenty.
2: But also, if a poor person can't afford the donation, should you really
1: be shaming them or like? Uh, you, you should want no, maybe they're trying to learn this. some shit so they cannot be poor like by next year well i don't know if it'll make
2: you wealthier to learn about stuff in a museum but it, it can enrich your life <laughs> in a way that you know society is so monetized like where else are you going to get that public library i could sit and read but i don't know where to start museums are a great way to connect you to a topic because it's
1: a walking tour of whatever that topic is <laughs> And uh, Unless I mean, it's I a get museum they, that allows a lot of kids inside, then fuck that place. This
2: one had a lot of kids, but they were they were small groups,
1: so I I didn't care, and I just avoided them. But uh, we went to a science museum in Denver, and it was like, um, a, it was the kind of museum where field trips happen there, mm-hmm. and so it was filled with like school children, ruined the entire experience for me. I was like vaping weed on the way there, and then like we were inside, just kind of like looking at, you know, the history of life on Earth and seeing a whole, like, a walkthrough of going from 3 point whatever billion years ago to uh, multicellular life 600 million years ago and then blah, 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 all the way up until present day, like, dino- not present day dinosaurs, what the fuck am I saying? Modern up dinosaurs. To, like, Jeff Goldblum, through dinosaurs right. up to present day versions of dinosaurs, like chickens. Yeah. Um, And it was just, like, I would have been really engrossed in the whole thing, but there were, like, annoying kids around me screaming and just missing the point. Fucking idiots.
2: Yeah. Uh, That's the other thing, too. If you are just a cheap asshole and you can't – or you can't afford the museum, uh, pro move, you you just ask them, uh, uh, where's the bathroom? And it's always past the donation area, and you go, "Oh, yeah. thanks!" And <laughs> yeah. then you act like you're in a hurry, and then you just go into the museum after. So yeah. it's like I need to use the bathroom. You appeal to their humanity more than their. Now, what has what has been your experience mostly with uh,
1: museum bathrooms? Um, immaculate, in my opinion, they've almost always clean. So I've had I've had uh, mostly really clean, like impressively clean bathroom experiences in museums. But in um, the British Museum, uh, the bathroom was a nightmare because you had to, like, go really far down into this basement area to get to it. Were you at and the National some Gallery? for some reason... The what? The National Gallery? Where the Rosetta Stone is?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've been to that bathroom. It is it is annoying and hard to doesn't find. Doesn't it just,
1: like, trap the poop smell somehow? Yeah,
2: but I think they do that on purpose so it doesn't stink up the museum.
1: You think but, they trap the poop smell on purpose? How do they do that, though?
2: Because you had to, like, go down, and if I remember, it wasn't, like, a door. It's, like, you kind of like a wall. Like, you know, you go yeah, around, winding wall around a wall, and there's another wall. Now you're in a
1: hallway, and then you're in a room full of shit. Oh, shitters. so the air just can't really, like, find yeah, its but, way uh, out.
2: I, I feel like when they do that in big cities, it's to keep homeless people out. You know, like you're gonna have to Just walk a, in, walk past the do- suggested donation thing, like walk past the gift shop. Like if you're if you're carrying a bunch of stuff or talking to yourself, like someone will spot you by then, and someone's gonna be waiting for you outside the bathroom to be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, you know.
1: You know, where- but the British Museum didn't have even suggested donation. Like you could donate, of course, anytime in in various places, but um, they 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 don't pressure you. They they keep the money part very out of the way. I like when they do that. Um, where they're really saying, "Hey, this museum's free. Like we're not even throwing the money thing like right in your face and making you make a make you know make make a Larry David like scene by not paying anything. You just don't pay it, and, yeah, and, and, and nobody even knows if you they, pay it either. Like they
2: don't get points for nobility on that because that museum is literally just a warehouse full of plunder from their empire from 500 years of their empire." Like, like the Rosetta Stone, that doesn't belong to them. That's part of Egyptian culture and heritage. They just took it. There's a there's a bunch of stuff in a lot of museums where regularly the people, the cultures, the communities where those things came from. They're like, hey, we just found out. Like my dead great great grandpa's like. Uh, uh, like hat is in your museum can I have it back like not just some like a member of that community like it's my from my family someone from your country like murdered him or like came in our village and just took it can I have it back and the response is almost always no nah, I don't think so and so it's yeah like, it's you know, like you, you, it the fact a sta- that you're it's charging a statute of
1: limitations it, well right?
2: no because the fact that you're charging and making money off of the, the looted heirlooms of my family uh, history but they're not like, in
1: this case in the British Museum's case
2: I'm sure they are. How many people go to London are spending money in the local economy there to go
1: see stuff? I, oh, you know? they're net. There are there are people making money off of it. I don't know, like yeah. what, how museums work and which ones are like a nonprofit or any of that shit. Like, I, well, let's move on to the next topic. We're getting too seriously into museums here. Like, I like museums. Um, I spent a whole day. Here at was one. here was the first one I was gonna read. Um, let's see. Hot woman leaves bathroom and it stinks. Oh, yeah. comma... Could it be the stinky before them? So <laughs> you that want to explain happened. that sentence, Johnny. That happened
2: today at the Capitol <laughs> building. So right next to the men's mind. room is a unisex bathroom. So I went in the men's room and there was people in both stalls. So I was like, oh, I need a stall, not a urinal, not to get into it, but I needed a stall. Also, the bathrooms were all marble. I was like, wow, this is nice. Uh, so I went out and I was gonna. I went into the unisex. And as I walked out, there was a lady walking out of the unisex. And we did that awkward like, oh, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Because I was going into her bathroom and she's going the other way. And she gave me a weird look, which at first I thought was because of how stinky that bathroom was. She was ashamed. But I think she was more weirded out. Like, why is he going from one bathroom to the other bathroom? Like, is this guy just <laughs> hanging out in bathrooms? Like, You couldn't finish up in there? Why do you want to check out the other one? But I went in right. there and it was a bad scene, like odor wise. Um, yeah. And well, she was a very attractive woman in her, let's say, 30s. And uh, yeah, and I was like, huh, I wonder if that was her, or I wonder if the person before her was just so bad that it, you know, it stills lingering. But it doesn't matter for me. She gets
1: credit for that because she walked out. Uh, and I, I just wonder how often that happens. You, so has that ever happened to you, where you walk out of a bathroom and you're worried about getting blamed for the stink fest that the like you just wanted to take a quick pee, and oh definitely, and then, but and then the stink fest in there gets blamed on you, right?
2: But it doesn't bother me because I've definitely walked out of the bathroom where I deserve and I own the stink fest. So,
1: I see. So I I almost rarely will I. Um, Find uh, will I make myself or um, find myself pooping in a public enough area where I might be blamed for the stink? Because I mean, like I just don't want to deal with that, well, and well, I can usually go, hold go. it in and poop at home. Well, that's
2: not that's not how I live my life. That's not how my schedule works out. <laughs>
1: Are you one of those like when the when when the poop comes a knocking, y- you go for it? No, I mean I could I could punish
2: myself like you're saying and rush home, but <laughs> I, I,
1: I, I, no, no, I, I don't want to live it like in. that. I I just would rather let it go when it happens. The only stressful thing with my method is like when I'm leaving the house sometimes, I'll be like, "Oh, like Luke, you should poop before you like go to the city for the day or whatever." Yeah. And I'll go into the bathroom and then I'll realize like it's not ready to come out of the oven yet, you know? And so you have to leave to catch the train. And you know that in two hours when you're in Penn Station, that's exactly when the poop will be knocking on the door, like, you know, ready yeah. to come.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit crazy. I travel with a travel pack of baby wipes and emergency roll of toilet paper. So I
1: could disinfect any seats whoa, 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 whoa. I find.
2: Back up, back up, back up.
1: Yeah. You travel with an emergency roll of toilet paper?
2: Yeah, they make these, like, tiny little rolls that are like about half to a third the size of a can of beer. And it's got a lot of toilet paper in it. It's really dense. Like you could cover a whole seat. You know, you have people like to do the little uh, nest out of toilet paper to cover up the does seat. Does that even – I've, I've read that doesn't have, even do anything. It does. It makes you feel better maybe. Uh, but yeah. it's it, – it, and then there's extra also to do what you need to do. But I, I bring baby wipes or alcohol wipes to clean the seats. I'm weird about that. Like I disinfect the toilets at work every day to use those if i have to use one of those even if i disinfected it earlier that day like mm, a customer
1: might have used it since then i'm going to re-disinfect but i uh, tend to i tend to at least put toilet paper down but like i guess even though the science would say that um you're at no risk you know that it doesn't really do anything um it's still psychologically it's not like, about
2: risk i just don't want to poop on my legs
1: yeah, it could be a literal thing too. Or, or now, PPM what's minutes. worse, a really cold toilet seat or a really warm toilet seat? Really warm is worse.
2: Yeah. No, the worst. <laughs> I think I don't know if we've covered this in the cast, but the worst is when you, when you, when you release the package and it splashes, and <laughs> you get the splashback, that cold sensation. Like the split second before your aperture closes. Like the
1: poop water coming up into your butthole? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Because before your aperture, let's call it that, (laughs) can close, uh, like a little bit gets in and that's your most exposed. I think I compared it to the Death Star in the past. That's like your exhaust. (laughs) Yeah, let's
1: call the butthole the aperture. Sure, Johnny.
2: Well, I thought that was a little classier than calling it the anus. But uh, but the splashback is the worst. In fact, I'll put a piece of paper in the bowl before I start to sort of like break the surface tension so you don't get the splashback. That's a pro tip. <laughs> for anybody listening?
1: No, dude, I know what you mean because I usually take toilet paper and I'll give one wipe down to the seat just wipe like down for just to um, be once safe over. that's worse. Hot or cold, the worst is when you sit and there's in uneven levels of moisture on the seat. Yeah. You're like, oh. So, so it serves two purposes. It cleans the seat, but it also makes the water more likely so when your big log of a poop hits it, it's just going to, like, thunk in. It th- and it's a thunk in. There you go. But it's not going to go. <laughs> Ew, is that what we're the like... thunk tank is? <laughs> yeah. the Guys, you thought the thunk oh, tank no. was, like, beer and thinking? No, 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 no. It's it's poop falling into um, um an overly surface-tensioned oh, no. toilet bulb. Bulb? It's about splashback. Oh it's preventing splashback. Um, um, yeah, but that,
2: that did happen, <laughs> and then that just was my thought while I was in there and had time to think.
1: Yeah. But marble bathrooms are wonderful. I feel so safe in a marble stall. When they're really clean, they're great, but sometimes I find that they can smell worse if they're not being cleaned. Mm. Well, there's no excuse for that, because marble is so easy to clean, you know? You just
2: hose it You know that smell down. that
1: beach bathrooms tend to get? What? You know that smell that like a bathroom at the beach tends to get.
2: Mm, I think you're it's thinking like a of per- Penn
1: Station, which is marble but disgusting. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of.
2: Yeah, Penn Station is probably
1: the worst public bathroom I've been to the most. I usually uh, don't wash my hands there because I think if I wash my hands, they'll be loss. dirtier by the end of it. Yeah, I think you're right.
2: You're better yeah. off. You're better off going upstairs and washing your hands at somewhere else. Anywhere. In the
1: city. Yeah, get a water at Starbucks and wash your hands. You can use the code on the receipt to get into the bathroom. Isn't that the funniest thing? Is that really how they do it now? To avoid racism? Um, I mean, most places will say, um, uh, you know, restroom for customers only. And then you're like, cool, how are they going to enforce that? And then there's a code on the door and you can only get the code if you ask the employee, basically.
2: Well, I've had this happen only once or twice, but I think I went into a bar or a restaurant. I was like, hey, can I use your bathroom? They're, like, They're for customers only. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I need to use the bathroom first, and then I'm going to eat something. I'm like, well, you have to order first.
1: And it's like, what? Like, uh, I have to order food while I have a poop like, I think to come it only out. happened, like, happened
2: once. It might have been a bar, and they didn't know me, but it was like, what am I going to do, order a beer and bring it in to take a shit with it? Like you're gonna watch <laughs> yeah. the beer? And it's gonna be warm and flat when I get out. I tell out. you like, what,
1: if I take the shit and I just leave without ordering a beer or a burger, then like put my put a picture of my face up or something. Like I think like,
2: I ended up giving them my wallet or something, or gave them a credit card. I was like, here, hold my credit card while I go to the bathroom, and I'll start a tab when I get yeah. back because Open I didn't the want tab. the beer. I didn't don't want the pour beer.
1: the beer until I get out of the bathroom,
2: right? Yeah, I don't want the beer sitting there. First of all, who knows who's gonna put what in it? Roofied or whatever? You know, you got to be safe. Uh and also, I just don't want it sitting there getting cold warm and flat. I'd love well, to meet
1: the person who wants to roofie you, though. Well, I mean, you know, they might. I got kidneys. It doesn't have <laughs> oh, to be yeah, sexual. Oh yeah, that kind of roofie. You know, they, I was I thinking a, sexually, but it could also just be like stealing your kidneys or money or whatever. Yeah, anything, I guess. What's her name? Just
2: got in trouble for that. That uh, that that uh, hip hop lady, right? Cardi something, right? Yeah. She 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 um, admitted when she was a stripper. She would, like, guys would be like, oh, I want to hook up with you. And she'd be like, sure, come back to this hotel room. And then she'd drug them and take all their money.
1: Right. And, and then they would, like, probably a combination of not know what happened and not be confident enough to, like, challenge Well, also, anything. it's
2: like, who? how are you going to, yeah, how are you going to prove it, first of all? And also, who wants to admit that? Like, uh... The CIA actually we're really getting off track. But the CIA apparently used to do that back in the sixties. What was when that? When they were track, testing out the <laughs> when they were testing out uh like the MK Ultra experiments, mind control, they used all sorts of drugs and stuff. They would Find some guy, like, you know, middle-class guy with a wife and kids who had something that, that they could leverage against him. Like, you know, he went to prostitutes, and they'd have him go – he'd go to the same prostitute he always went to, and they would, like, drug him and take a bunch of pictures with, of him, and then uh, – and then, you know, experiment by giving him acid and, like, flashing lights or something. And afterwards, he's like, what was that? Like, I'm going to have to report that. They'd be like, yeah, if you say anything to anyone, not only will no one believe you, but it's going to come out that, you know, you cheated on your wife and your whole family and this and that. And it's it's just um,
1: – It's the classic, like, hey, do you want to say something or do you want to end up um, – do you want to, like, you know, say something and end up in a mental hospital or just keep your mouth shut and go home? Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, So I think it's part of that, too, is the shame factor of, like, what are you going to say? Like, I tried to have sex with a stripper, and she robbed me? Like,
1: yeah, no one has sympathy for you there, really. So what do you got about, um, here's another thing you wrote down, happy hour states versus non-happy hour states. Oh, yeah. So you have happy hour in
2: New York. I've been living in North Carolina for the last three years where it is against the state law to have happy hour. You cannot change your prices on alcohol throughout the day. It has to be the same price all
1: day. So now, what is the allowable um, um, time frame where you can change your prices? Is it From open day? to
2: close, your business day.
1: So you can open okay.
2: up and have half off all drinks, but it has to be the whole day. Gotcha. So, so it you don't can't have, be a five to seven a, thing. Yeah, yeah, you
1: can't have a windowed deal if you're selling alcohol, which I, I – Now, what's I, the main I, argument against that? Like, is it just kind of that – Obviously people will get drunk for a price that's far too low or No,
2: yeah, they said it promotes binge
1: drinking cuz it encourages you to drink faster before Obviously it, the hour what ends. in the alcohol industry doesn't promote binge drinking.
2: I know, but in North Carolina state law they they act like that's not what's happening. Oh no, no. You're selling an addictive substance, but don't let the addicts get addicted
1: to it. It's like what well, come on. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah. And the people that made the law go home and like drink half a bottle of whiskey every night. Well, the the laws for alcohol and tobacco and stuff make no sense
2: in North Carolina. I can't sell you two drinks at a time either in that state. Um, like I can't give you two beers. Or I can't give you like two two shots, but I can give you a beer and a shot. It says specifically in the law you can give a shot of alcohol, a liquor and a beer for a boilermaker, and it's definitely because whoever was writing that law was like, well, we all get boilermakers after you know the state senate lets out, so we can't. You know, we can't get rid of that rule,
1: which is dumb. Somebody was like, well, this rule doesn't make sense because I like Boilermakers and I'm a good person. Right, but the spirit of the law is to prevent binge drinking. And if I give you two beers, have you ever seen someone be like, this
2: fucking idiot bartender, I'm going to get drunk twice as fast and drink both beers at once? I've tried it on the <laughs> cast. You end up spilling a whole beer's worth of beer if you do that. Whereas if you pour a shot into a beer you just fortified that beer with straight liquor and went from a 5% beer to like i don't know the math 15 20% beer whatever no 10% beer whatever it is and it's like now you're getting drunk faster so why would you make a special uh, exception for that um why why would sense. it
1: only be 15% wouldn't it be oh, thinking, oh a
2: 12 uh, a 16 ounce beer with an ounce and a half of 40% alcohol i understand I that yeah, math. yeah but you're whatever boosting the, math the is, alcohol yeah. on the beer and um, yeah. and I could sell you two of those. I could sell you one of those. You can chug that beer with a shot, in, and then you can order another one. But I can't sell you two beers at one time, which is less alcohol. So the law is is really silly there to begin with. Uh, but So the no happy hour, I forgot. And now I'm in a state with happy hour, and it's awesome. I forgot how great it is because bars are slow in that time. So they want to capture whoever's around I'm like, oh, I want to eat. But I don't want to pay fifteen dollars for a burger, so I'm not drunk at ten o'clock on a Saturday. You know, I'm i I'm just walking home from work. Oh man, five dollars off a burger. I might stop in for a burger. You know, while I'm here, let me get a beer. Now you're making your money on that beer markup. Right. Or or even the place I think it was one dollar off beers. You're still making money on a beer if you charge dollar off. But I might not bother going if. Or you might get me to go. I might go. Oh, I'll go home and go out later for a beer. But if I go, oh, that deal ends in two hours. I better pop in on my way home. You just sold a beer you weren't going to sell otherwise.
1: So, uh, honestly, the the happy hour thing usually doesn't apply to a person like me because I start working at like three four p.m. and I go <laughs> until like eight. But it's yeah. for the nine to five people when they get out at five and they're like, oh, "Hey, I did instead have instead of going yeah. home, having dinner, and then going out to meet people." I'm gonna do the version where I meet people from like six to eight thirty, and then go home and do dinner. I, but guess what? Yeah. When you're at the bar and you have like the four beers for the price of two, and you're kind of hungry and you can't imagine yourself cooking dinner at home, you buy the fucking burger. You know? Yeah,
2: they still made money on that that half off beer. Well, it's and now good for the economy. Money off
1: the burger for you. Um. Yeah,
2: no, I I I, I agree. I used to have a nine to five job, and it was great. We used to. I used to – we used to let – we'd rotate who got to leave work right at 5 on the dot, and they'd go grab a table at the bar down the street and order our oh, – because we'd get the same appetizers because they were the same half-off yeah. things. So, like, we would say, okay, I'll finish up your work. It's Tuesday. It's your turn. It's 5 one Clock out and rush over there. Get us a table. Order the apps. We'll get there by 5 5-30, and order a pitcher of beer. And you do that, you have a couple of beers and you're home by like seven, eight o'clock. And you're yeah. which is if you have work the next morning at nine, it's that's my window to go out and have fun.
1: Right. You have to shift it earlier. Like my window right now is usually between like nine thirty and like midnight. Mm-hmm. Whereas the nine to five or maybe even earlier worker, their window is between like five thirty and nine thirty. And they're like yeah. getting ready for bed between ten and eleven. Oh yeah, mine right now him. is like midnight to two a.m. Um, yeah, same. R- which is if, really if, if I if I get to yeah. bed by two a.m., I'm happy. Like I'm not which, worried about it. Yeah.
2: After working in the like the alcohol industry long enough, I figured out that really that's why bars are open till two is for, it's for the drunks who will just keep ordering and keep spending money there, uh, the stool pigeons as they're known and it's and also the bartenders f- who are also just it's, like happy to the be there be. drinking well, with their friends it's not just bartenders <laughs> it's bartenders waiters servers busboys anybody who has a service job concierge people front desk people anyone who has to work second shift and doesn't get out till 10 11 12 and you can spot them as a bartender you could spot someone coming and be like you either just got kicked out of the last bar or all your friends were leaving and you acted like you were heading home and then you just stumbled down the street and now you're in my bar versus somebody who just got off work i know it's 1 a.m but i could tell this is your 5 p.m you're coming in for your first beer you get really good at
1: spotting like another restaurant person who Mm -hmm. got off at midnight and came in for a drink somewhere you can read that energy of like i need my drink versus like the person who's like, I need my eighth drink before I can go home.
2: (laughs) Oh, I just remembered something else. So I went to an Irish pub for lunch today, because it was like two o'clock. I'd been walking around, which is pretty early, one, two. There weren't many bars open at that point in the area of the city I was walking around, but I was just hungry. And this Irish pub, they're always open, and they had a lemon orzo soup. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't want like corned beef or a burger. Like I didn't want something greasy. And I was like, they have soup. Uh, I got. I ordered the soup. I was like, "Oh, do you have half pints?" And she's like, "Well, we do little like ten ounce beers." And I was like, "Okay, can I get that of uh, Spotted Cow, which is a uh, wheat beer, which is really hearty, healthy beer in my opinion? It's, it's I think, four or five percent." heart healthy beer. I like that. Oh, hearty
1: and healthy. It's not good for your
2: heart. Alcohol <laughs> no, I is
1: heart bad. healthy. I heard you. I heard. No,
2: Alcohol is very bad for your cardiovascular system in general. I can't really. No, it lowers blood pressure. It does. You're right. It's good for you. Heart. So I had a heart healthy beer. Uh, There you go. Thank you. (laughs) You won me over. Um, But while I was, uh, and I I took my book out and I was reading and the bartender, like she could read the vibe of what I was doing. I had taken like two sips in 10 minutes. I really, I clearly wasn't like trying to catch a buzz yet. And she was like, oh, I've read that book. And we like had a quick chat and we were talking and a guy walks in and you could see her face drops, which means she knows this guy. And he goes, I just left my phone and wallet on the bus and sits down and she's like okay and walks away and i i felt bad i almost went i'll buy this guy a beer and then he looked at me without looking at me you know what i mean and i was like mm, his eyes didn't really focus on me there and then he repeated he, it to he her had that, again that vagueness behind the eyes of he like repeated a, yeah. to her again and like expectantly and she's like oh so what are you gonna do and he goes i don't know do you have a phone i could call someone and like his it fell apart like you know how drunks can keep it together like could I have a beer? And you give them beer, and they go, "Thanks, that's great." Like you were really focusing <laughs> and articulating there. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And then, it, like they it have just, like
1: a script. If they stick to that, they can seem it, reasonable. Really, if you're like really kind of distracted.
2: Yeah, if they really focus, they could do it. But as soon as they relax, they they can't keep that focus. Or if
1: anything surprising happens, like instead of um, you know, you just giving them the beer, you ask them a question. Yeah, and it throws them off. Like then the whole facade falls down, and they're like, "Oh, it's a blacked out drunk person." There you go. I, I
2: do that test all the time. People come in and try to order McUltras from me when they're hammered, and it's a brewery. We don't sell McUltras. Yeah. We don't make
1: McUltras. We don't. And sell anybody it. sober would or sober enough would realize, Hey, I'm at a brewery. They probably don't have milk mic ultra,
2: but they don't even look at the menu or the boards or the taps or anything. They just get hey, a mic ultra. Let me get an ultra. Go, well, we don't have an ultra. What other styles do you like? And sometimes they're like, Oh, is he talking to me? They have that look on their face. I'm like, okay, you're shitted. Like you don't need it. What do you, beer. what
1: do you think that is? Like in a really wasted person's mind when they think they need one more, what is that? it's
2: it's keeping the good times going it's the FOMO I can't let this end
1: but I mean like I'm I'm guilty of it myself obviously like we used yeah, to sort of get way more close to the level of blacked out drunk when we were younger and I remember like close being places where you think to yourself like um, oh my god we're almost out of beer but you don't think to yourself wait I don't need any more beer like I'm good And you go out and you get more beer and you have like one more beer from the 12 that you picked up because you are already right on the border of not being able to like stay awake.
2: Well, it's the enough too much line. It's very fine line with alcohol. For a lot of people, too much is when they physically can't have more and not enough is where they're still able to have some. You know what I mean? It's like, I haven't drank enough yet. And it's like, why? Because you still can. It's like, yep. And it's yeah. like, oh, well. But so, yeah, this guy, he like they gave him the bar phone, which was like an old-timey receiver with a cord. And she's like, it doesn't go any further than here. It's like the middle of the bar. She's like, you got to come over here to order. And the way he got up was like, oh, this guy's shit face at like 1.30, in the afternoon. And he That's called his brother. And, and he did the like, I'm going to try to sound professional drunk voice while he's telling his brother where he left it. And he's like, I guess someone picked me up. And, and then he hung up and the, the bartender's like, so what's happening? And she's like, he's going to find someone to come pick me up. And then he sat back down for like five more minutes and she's like, do you want some water while you wait? He goes, yeah. And then she went, should you call the bus company? He goes, yeah, do you have their number? <laughs> and she was like, I have a phone book here. And he's like, cool. And he spent like 15 minutes going through the phone book. And I had le- I just left while he was still trying to find the bus number. I was like, that when his brother's response was he's gonna try to find someone to pick him up is definitely he was like how many, and the guy was middle aged at least, and it was like, How that many times? That means that he gets he that
1: call often, yeah. And that's the default answer for like, Luck, dude, I can't help you right now. And like, it's
2: one thing on your day off, like, I don't try to shame people because I've had that happen where you know, what if you work an early shift? You get out of work at 11 in the morning and you worked at 4, 4 a.m. to 11. Yeah, you want a beer, people give you dirty looks. It's like, No, this is my 5.30 p.m. I deserve a beer right now. I just got
0: out there's of work. No,
1: there's no need for judging like a time of day and a drunk level, right? But I think there is a drunk level, which I find annoying to be around, whether it's midnight, 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. You know, like if somebody's just like zombie drunk, they're just annoying to me.
2: And this guy was like on the border of that. He was on the cusp of that. Um, If he had ordered a shot and a beer for when I got there, he would have been over that edge. And he probably was whenever he left, wherever he was coming from. Uh, And then walked
1: it off. By the time he got there, right, rode
2: on the bus for a while until he just was like, "Oh, I know where there's a bar around here." And just hopped off the bus. And I don't know how you leave your wallet and your phone. I'm guessing he lost them at the bar. Left them on the bar. If that actually happened, um, I doubt there was a because it's also possible
1: that he just made that up too.
2: Right, I doubt there was a bus or any, but he wasn't like shabby or anything. Like He was in nicer clothes than I wore, was wearing, but uh, that's not and, saying it much. Was, and he, he, I know, and he wasn't starting to drink; he was drunk already. And they were just so like not not surprised at all. You're also the bar. coming at
1: this Johnny from the angle of oh, like everyone resets at night, sobers up, and then starts to get drunk again. Yeah, but there are people up, that wasted, just are just
2: started again,
1: always wasted sounds exhausting like I drink a lot probably too much
2: and, like it's exhausting to, to 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 just drink at night like I don't know how people wake up and keep drinking
1: it sounds horrifying yeah I mean um, I mean I know I know various um, people either through someone or from um, like a different uh, oh what am I trying to say I, I know I know some friends of friends or friends of family members who will um, sort of, let's just say if they were to allow their blood alcohol level to drop to a certain level, that's what disturbs their body because their body gets so used to. That's not the baseline anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know people um, who, if you were to check their blood alcohol level let's say at 11 in the morning you might just find it to be like 0.09 and that's actually kind of low because it was at you know 0.19
2: when they went to sleep
1: yeah meanwhile so they're never below the legal limit ever yeah that's got to be really bad for your body but then the legal limit for them is like the 2 p.m sun's out i'm just sober at at starbucks you know and then the, the late night in a bar, like being the zombie guy, could be as high as like, I don't know, 0.25? I don't I, I don't was, know if you've ever blown into a breathalyzer, but...
2: I had a friend, well, I knew a guy in high school who blew a point, uh, 0.4. Like he chugged a bottle of Hennessy and went to the hospital and tested 0. 0.04 before they pumped his stomach. So his point, nickname point, was, was four zero mean-
1: not point oh .4. Point four. Point .4, Yeah, Which
2: point four. He, he would have died you, if he uh, didn't get. You his stomach could pumped. die,
1: but you should die it, probably. He actually. he,
2: he, he would have, and he definitely damaged his liver or whatever. But he like it was like a thing. He took a couple of
1: weeks off after it was like a a point. Did of he pride get for his stomach him. pumped like fast enough? Is that basically what saved him? Yeah, I think he started puking immediately, and then they took him to the hospital. So his body was
2: already purging it out. And then they put yeah. him on saline and kept him hydrated and all that. Isn't I that mean, cool how the body knows joke. to puke? If, you, if you're going through, like, meth or heroin withdrawal which or opioid withdrawal and you go to jail, like, let's say you, get, you crash your car and they know you're fucked up and they lock you up, they just throw you in the cell and let you go through withdrawal and scream and, and you know, the freezing sweats and all that. Like, they just let you sweat it out because like whatever it just feels like you're dying but if you if you crash your car wasted like and your blood alcohol is a certain level or you know you're you're a regular drunk or something they'll like they'll they have to handcuff you to the hospital bed and monitor you because you actually can die from alcohol withdrawal which is just so ubiquitous we don't realize that withdrawal is actually one of the more dangerous ones and when i did the dry january thing i took i took january of 2019 off of drinking totally not cuz i like have a problem drinking that's something I'll address later in life but no I'm just kidding but <laughs> I'll was,
1: admit that it's a problem later not
2: now yeah, not now <laughs> but uh no it was cuz like when I went to Germany and I did all those traveling last fall I just and we had all these christmas parties I was just drinking all the time towards the end of 2018
1: I was like I need a month off dude christmas into new years is a is a hard like it you was, you just see that as like um a fucking pinnacle to reach and you just kind of crescendo through the whole thing
2: yeah Yeah. it was rough so after that i needed a break but i realized i'd never really go more than a couple of days without at least a beer like i work with beer i work in the beer industry i'm always trying beer and drinking beer so and i work with kids so
1: that's why i need beer yeah
2: so (laughs) i uh uh, you know, I, I was like really nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I gonna go through the withdrawals and DTS and all those things I had heard about? I was so scared. And like two, the first two days, I was just like, man, I really want a beer, mostly because I'd been partying the whole two weeks leading up to it because New Year's just happened. And yeah. then I was like, oh no, I'm just hung over. And then within like a week, I, I Cara turned to me and was like, oh, we haven't had beer in like six days. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. And I just it, it was out of my mind. I had no adverse effects or anything. Uh, but I really like psyched myself out, and I thought I was gonna like, oh, I better monitor, and like, oh, my body might not be able to handle it. And it's like, oh no, I like I drink a few beers at night before I go to bed. I'm not yeah, drunk that's very all the different.
1: Time. I've never I've never had a job where I would even feel like I could do it drunk, you know. Um, I can't quite say the same about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, some of the most fun gigs I've played on trumpet. Um, I remember two summers ago playing. Um, brahms requiem and uh it was there, there's two trumpets and three trombones and so the three trombones and me went out to find some tacos um and uh at this taco truck with like a seating area to the side they were selling um what would be like the mexican beer that they would be selling dude where at this taco truck. Like I'm forgetting the name Odellos, of it. Like, Corona. Nah, it was Dos Equis. That's what it was. Okay. The other one. Yeah. So like we, we each had like five Dos Equis beers and then we were like, Oh shit, it's seven 15. Like we should get back. We got to get our tuxedos on and play this concert. And it was the drunkest concert I've ever played. Like it's so hard to play trumpet when you're half smiling while you're trying to play. Um, so in terms of working drunk, I'd, I'd have to disagree with you there. I mean, um, I've done things
2: <laughs> drunk that I probably shouldn't have, and I just didn't get paid for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did a homebrew de-
1: demonstration, and I just... I mean, that's in front of a homebrew club. They know what the fuck it means to be, like, into no, this homebrew. Was, this
2: is in front of the public, but it was at an event with... Uh, like liquor samples being handed out. And the whiskey guys who like, thought it was so cool that we made beer. They kept like bringing us whiskey, including whiskeys that were, they weren't giving out as samples, just bottles they brought with them. So I was like, well, I'll try a little bit. And they'd pour like a huge fucking pour. And I wasn't driving home. And then at the end of the day, I was like,
1: oh, I definitely got too drunk making beer. And that beer didn't turn out great, which is why I don't yeah. drink while I brew generally. Because Honestly, you know what, you know what allowed me to figure out how to, how to drink like the right amount when I, go to a party or something because when when you're younger it's hard to figure that out but you basically have to drive to a few parties and then you know like hey I've got like a hard four beer total limit at the four hour barbecue here and I'm just gonna like have to enjoy myself sipping and then even when you aren't driving you learn how to like you know maybe it's not a hard four beer limit but like you generally know like I'm not trying to have ten beers at this barbecue
2: I have a strict one beer limit once I'm there for more than three hours, I'll have a second beer, but that's it. I've never, I won't have more than two beers
1: and drive. That's, a, I honestly, that's that's the probably the best safest way to do it. And it's yeah, it's just because I don't trust my own judgment. Like I'm not that good at
0: math.
2: Yeah. I know I'll mess it up and be like, oh, I switched it <laughs> around. I had four beers in two hours, not two beers in four. Like I just know myself. Um, yep. And, Beer math and always it, gets a little weird. You're like,
1: carry the one. No, I'm good.
2: Yeah. And it's and it's just not worth it because, yeah, you know, we've had drunk driving issues affect my family. And it's just something I'm very sensitive about in general. And Johnny, just because
1: you drunkenly crashed into your dad's car in the driveway doesn't mean that you have to. <laughs> no, I have
2: not I have. I, haven't
1: I know. Done I know. Right I, know
2: yet, I know. But uh, things have. Uh, outsiders have affected my family with their drunk driving let's say that i don't
1: have any drunks really in my immediate family
2: if anything i'm the drunk in my immediate family. drunk
1: driving has intersected with your life enough that you take it seriously it's, enough <laughs> yeah to me it's just it's not worth it you know i mean it um, is one of those really great black and white rules like don't it, do it and you never have to worry many. about it
2: yeah there's not many in my life but but that's uh that's one of them because it, not it, even, even a black even and white rule just like a hard hurt. hard rule even if nobody gets hurt, I've had enough friends get DUIs. And even if they get off, you know, without it going on their record or whatever, it costs them thousands of dollars and just inconveniences your life for up to years.
1: Like you yep, can't drive anymore.
2: Years. You know, you, you have to, you have to, th- the thing on your car, you got to blow into. You can't ha- you can't enjoy a casual drink. For oh, do you years want to leave the state
1: and go on that trip with your friends? Oh, you have to get permission. That
2: happened. I had a friend and he like, we were talking and I kept telling him to visit me and he's like, well, I can't. For another sixteen months, and I was like, "Wow, that's really shitty." Like, you know, like, uh, dude, in that sense, beer festival, you want to come? And he's like,
1: "I, I can't." Like, in that sense, it's almost like it's like the version of life that's like a video game, and it's like there are various like you know little um, spots that you can like get get a uh, get fucked up on, and it's like er, back back two years, you know, and it it just sort of like yeah, totally fucks resets up your a lot of things, progression it of costs the level.
2: So much money. Like everybody I'm known got the money who's thing a alone, DUI, yeah. Between the lawyer, the 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 fine, the actual penalty, um having to pay because they make you pay for that blow to start thing on your car. Like you have oh, to yeah. pay Oh yeah, every for, month, dude.
1: You have that. to recalibrate it every month. Yeah,
2: the state doesn't pay for that. You're the one who screwed of course up not. and make you pay it costs like eight to ten thousand for most for the, the three in people total. I've talked to. Yeah. It's been in that range. That's so much money. An Uber, you know how many Ubers I can get before like that amount? Has been hit years and years worth of Ubers, but like a decade worth of man, it might be free. It might be free. I know, but I don't buy scratch offs. So you
1: know what I mean. I don't think that. (laughs) Dude, I saw a guy scratching off a, a lottery ticket in the parking lot, like in the middle of the road area where cars drive. He couldn't get to his car and sit down and like be like, "All right, this is the one." He was frantically scratching the ticket while walking to his car and like stopped in the parking lot to look at it. I'm like, dude you probably didn't win because most of the time you don't win. That's how it works.
2: Yeah. There was a uh, there is a guy I used to know who worked at the 7-Eleven when I got out at my job. I got out at like midnight, 1 a.m., and he'd work overnights. We worked at the same place, but he worked here too. So I would go visit him. He'd give me the day-old uh, buttered rolls. You know, it was a good exchange. <laughs> Um, really, I was very poor at the time, so he would give me the Wait, old. Food you had a day old out. buttered roll Seven Eleven Eleven hookup, He'd give me the day old buttered rolls and the day old paper. Uh, and I just talked to him, <laughs> day and, old you know,
1: paper, <laughs>
2: yeah. There's good crosswords still, they're good, even a day old. Uh, even the news stories are good, you if you haven't read them, yeah, exactly. They're new to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I would, uh, you know, I'd hang out with him, and there's this one guy I forget what night of the week it was, but let's say it was a Tuesday, every Tuesday night, he would come in and buy $50 worth of scratchers. And then he'd go to his car, scratch them off, and then come back in and buy another 50 And he'd keep doing that. And, and like, it got to the point where my friend was so annoyed, he like, would just tell the guy, stop talking to me. Because the guy would, like, try to bring him in. Oh, I won this one. Oh, come on. You got to help me out. Like, the guy has any control over it. It's like yelling yeah. at your blackjack dealer kind of a, a mentality. Until <laughs> so the point where he goes, I don't want to hear about it. If you want to buy them, buy them. Like, you don't need to speak to me about this stuff. Like, you're a weird loser. But he came in every night, and he always had a, a wad of cash. And we figured out we thought he got paid that day cash. And he would go until he spent, like, the same amount. It was always, like, two or $300. And then he'd leave. It was just like huh. but weekly he'd go out like midnight to do this. And it was just like, dude, what are you doing? Like this can't be fun for you. I mean, that You'd could be, be a way mix better off buying of... a case of the beer and blacking out in your driveway, you know?
1: It, it well, I mean, it could be a mix of like the the blackout beer and a gambling addiction, you know? Like I've never I've never been tempted by by gambling, but I could totally see how it could how it could work because like you do win yeah. that's the thing you win enough to keep the dopamine channels like you know working
2: i heard uh i heard the comedian jim norton say this and i think this is why i don't naturally gamble either it's cuz he said like the every few 10 years or so he'll he'll be out or something and you know he'll put okay i'll put some money on roulette or something and like you you know you put 10 dollars down and you win you win 30 your his immediate he's like my immediate reaction is fuck i i should have put 100 down i really lost you know, three fifty, or whatever. Yeah. And like, that's the gambler mentality. And I, I don't yeah. really think I think like that. Cause I'm, I'm like too aware of how weird gambling is. I've never really gotten into it or try, but like that is scary enough that it's like, all right, it's not worth it to me. The you idea also
1: have that- to just be aware of reality. It's like, look, if you're betting on a sports game, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but let's say you, it's the giants versus the jets and you put a hundred dollars on the giants and they're underdogs in this case and you end up winning $200. And right. you think to yourself, I should have put 500 cuz now I would, 1, 1, down, I would have 1000. I would have won 20 grand or whatever. It's like yeah. no because you didn't know they were going to win back then, so you actually made right. the smart choice. It's the long-term view versus the short-term no, view.
2: None of it's a smart choice. You got lucky. That's the problem is when gamblers start attributing intelligence to their decisions. Oh, I made the smart picks. You really
1: didn't. Like it's, it's luck. You gambled. You won. You got lucky. But but the, the only the only um, real strategy is if you have a view of the long term, right? So it's like you're not trying to win each individual poker game, but you're trying to win money at poker when mm-hmm. you balance your books at the end of the year, you should have won fifty thousand dollars if you're a professional poker player. Well, not
2: poker is one of the few places where you really can do it. But part if you're of it mathematically, is mathematically But part yeah. of that
1: too is you're not
2: playing against all professionals. If, if everybody who played poker professionally was on the same level, it would be a wash again, and you'd end right. up – Well, like all the online
1: poker, that that's mostly mathematically um, literate people. Playing against people. Stealing porn. money yeah. from people like us who are like, hey, i like to have some beer and play poker.
2: Right, exactly. So it, it's that's just the playing field. And that's another thing that tells you gambling is not good is there's nickel slots, and there's $100 slots, and the payout rate <laughs> yeah. is the same. So yeah, yeah. the, the game really is just, the same so, game. Yeah. It's just so that the risk reward people could feel it at all socioeconomic levels. Like I can only afford to gamble with nickels, but I want that feeling whereas a millionaire is I'm like I'm getting nothing out of these quarter slots. Let me start sliding Benjamins in and I'll feel it when I win back 20 of them even though I'm going to lose 500 by the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: 5000 or whatever.
1: But whatever, uh, yeah. Whatever it is. Um, um so can I give you a quick would you rather? Yeah. Awesome, reversing it. I like it. Reverse, reversing. I mean, you're in Wisconsin. You, your genie powers are no good there. They're very dwindled right now. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> off right now. So this is good. I don't have a, a, a would you rather ready. So, so would you rather come to? It's sort of like the the idea would be like you know, um, in a moment you open your eyes and you're in this situation, and you kind of knew that you were being put into the situation. So you're not like out of your mind, you're just going to have to start dealing with it like you're playing a video game. So you open your eyes and you have two choices. In both choices, you're wasted. Not quite blacked out because you're, like, aware enough to be like, oh, my God, I'm wasted and I have to navigate this situation. Does that make sense?
2: But that's all I know.
1: All you know is – I mean, I'm going to give you the two choices, but, I I mean, all you know is that both choices – you are as drunk as possible without being blacked out. Okay. Like, in other words, you're online still. Like, you're still in your head and you're... But I'm just hammered. You're hammered, yeah. Like
2: watching uh, Aerosmith in the front row and Jesus is the lead singer kind of hammered? Yeah, but then shit's gonna go down. I forget the line from Ricky Bobby, but that's what I was referencing.
1: Yeah. Um, So, on the one hand um how did i do this you're a surgeon and when you come online you're in the middle of surgery but i'm not a surgeon but in this scenario i know how to surgeon you're you're the memory of johnny you're the skill set of johnny Uh uh-huh you're also wasted johnny but you're in the body in the reality of a surgeon Okay, so no, you don't have any surgery skills, and you're wasted. It's gonna be hard to talk your way out of that one. Okay, like you can't even like quick sew up the patient, and then like be like, "No, I could have go excuse headache. me, doctor, I have diarrhea,' and storm out like, I do <laughs> as long as you don't slur your words when you say diarrhea. Excuse me, I
2: have diarrhea. I'll just actually shit myself to
1: sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might be wasted enough to actually accomplish the shitting. That, that could okay. be, like, the cheat code out of the level or something, you know? I mean,
2: if I slur them, like, oh, my God, Dr. John is drunk, are they going to be like, wait, who's this drunk guy? Like, you're not a doctor here. Won't they recognize that I don't work at that hospital?
1: No, no, like, in this, rea- like, the, 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 you are, you are subjectively you, but objectively to the other people, you are okay. appropriate in their environment. Okay. Or? The other version is you're a flight attendant. And you're on, like, you know, a long enough flight and you're just starting meal service.
2: So, like, am I (laughs) able to get out of the surgery? Or, like, it's a sealed room. Like, it's locked in on a timer. They won't let me out. I can't say, like... So, you know as many rules about surgery as
1: I do. If you said, I need to leave right now. We're canceling this surgery. Theoretically, they would just take the patient... Bring the anesthesia always, levels so that there's they always wake
2: up. Multiple doctors, right? So that one
1: can finish up or something. Well, usually it's like an assistant and then there's like a main surgeon, like like there's somebody in yeah, the training under their still wing. Still went to like twenty years of school, right? They could keep the asshole alive. While I'm not sure what the up. policy would be. No, no, I'm not saying you're doing open heart surgery, Johnny. Like you're doing like you know like a knee surgery or something like that. So you know Those something that's while, not actually. life or death. But you'll still oh, okay. get sued as fuck if you if you um, fuck up someone's knee because you try to do a surgery when you're not a surgeon and you're drunk.
2: All right, but am I going to get in trouble with the FAA after the flight for not being a flight attendant, too? Unless nobody calls
1: you out on it. Do you think you could hide it?
2: So if I can hide it, I don't get in trouble in either case? Correct. Definitely flight attendant. I don't even know how to start faking my way through surgery. <laughs> like, where... Well, I would just look yeah, at him, really like nice. knock on his ribs and go, "Listen, to him. I think he's good. You know, we're gonna call this one off. Give it a few more weeks, and uh, if he's still feeling bad, have him come back. It'd be like the cancer is metastasizing. What are you talking about, me? Like, now nah, let's give it a few more days, at least. I gotta hit the
1: bar. Like, well, I, I think you, you f- I think you found the way out of the the surgery one, which is diarrhea,
2: and the plane one. Like, wh- what do I do besides yelling? Like, I have a bomb in my intestines. Like, how else do I get the plane to land so I don't have to provide service? You
1: shouldn't yell that either, because then they're gonna arrest you, and then home. you'll be um, wasted.
2: Yeah. Um, I think I would go with surgeon just cause I'd rather be trapped in a hospital with legal ramifications than trapped in a plane wasted with angry people. Cause what if at some point they go, I think that flight attendant is drunk. And then someone else goes, I don't think that's a flight attendant. And then the air marshal gets up and shoots me with a bunch of rubber bullets. Like, I, uh, I don't want to <laughs> deal with that. <laughs> that progresses quickly. I'm pretty sure whatever malpractice suit I get for, uh, For, like, fake surgery, I could just flee the country. I don't think they would
1: let me flee the country for airline violations. I think you go right. But what about the version of the airline one where you just take a few deep breaths, throw in some mouthwash, and go to the food service? Oh, because I – By the way, you're equally untrained at at being an airline attendant. I know that. Uh,
2: I definitely am equally untrained. But, no, because I have so much trouble – Uh, dealing with people dealing with flight attendants. People that are rude with flight attendants, I just want to bark at them like a dog. Um, (laughs) I'm very sensitive to people being shitty to service industry people in general. But uh, yeah, no, it's troublesome to me. Because especially in those situations when someone's being shitty to somebody that can't be shitty back because they're at work i want to turn like listen don't be a piece of shit to them because this is the space in your life where you're allowed to take it out on someone like shut the fuck up they didn't do anything wrong you know i want to speak up for that person and i have on different occasions you always tell the people be like they give you kind of like a thank you look but they can't actually sanction what you did because you're also being aggressive to their customers now right but uh So if you made me the flight attendant and I was wasted, my threshold for telling people to go fuck themselves on the plane would be be way too low. Yeah, Yeah. at least in the hospital, in the surgery uh, version, I they're unconscious and I just have to convince the other doctors that I don't feel well. Like, if you say, yeah. oh, I just got suddenly very lightheaded, I gotta. I can't do this, or could, will you take the lead, I'll stand back here, they're not going to be like, what, this is your job, get in there with the scalpel, they're going to be like, oh, we don't want
1: you operating. Yeah, no you're one's going to force what? you to be a right. surgeon when you're feeling lightheaded. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, I just got a little dizzy, I don't think I should be operating. You just operating. have to convincingly say, like, I have diarrhea or I'm lightheaded, and get out of the room and get away from people. Yeah. And and just pretend to have food poisoning or something like well, that. Well, depends. Am I drunk? What am wasted. I drunk on? Am I drunk on
2: vodka? Can they smell it on me? Or I'm just magically well, drunk? Like you just inject me with with alcohol to get my BAC at to the a certain time level? that
1: you come to, you you would Up theoretically smell like booze. Okay, so that's trouble either way. But like as a flight attendant, you have like let's say. You could be like, what am I doing, what am I doing, what am I doing, and and quick pop mm. into the bathroom and pop in a mint, take a mm, shit, you know, shit in a mint.
2: mint. Nah. Well, the <laughs> thing is, though, once you're on the plane hammered already, you've already broken the law, whereas if I'm in the operating room drunk, if I stop before I actually start the operation. No, it's in the middle of surgery. I just snap to it, but that means I performed the first half of the surgery totally fine, wasted. Yeah,
1: you were blacked out. This is,
2: <laughs> but I did a great job, even though they could smell it on me. So I don't know. You, this is where the genius comes in. You got to think of all the details. This is exactly <laughs> right, no, what you doing. You're about me. to start the surgery. You're Reason your you way out of this there. bullshit, and it's infuriating, isn't it? Yeah, you're like,
1: just answer the question, Johnny. Um, yeah, I know. I think I'd do surgery. It sounds more fun. Like if somebody on the plane was like, you know, my chicken's cold. I ordered the chicken, but it came cold. You'd just be like, we're. F- we're fucking 35,000 feet in the air. Your chicken's a little cold. You're eating a chicken. I know. I would fucking headbutt them and be like, "He
2: said bomb hog time with the belt extenders." <laughs> like I just I've always wanted to see someone get hog tied with those, <laughs> you know? Is that yeah, part of it's... the training, hog tying? Oh yeah, I forget when. It was either right after the shoe bomber or right after 9/11. Never forget where um, <laughs> some makes guy you sound made like you're a better than joke. me cuz you said never forget. <laughs> some guy made a bad joke about how he was like Oh yeah, I'm gonna go join Al Qaeda when I land in Houston or whatever. And like someone heard him and was just like ready. And they like led the charge and they tackled him, they held him down, and he got the flight attendants to give him for so for really uh large, heavy people on an airplane. Hope you never have to sit next to one. It's it not not to fat shame, but it's just an awful experience when you only get Of course, they're taking up half seat. your seat. Of course right. it's awful. But they make seatbelt extenders, and I, I sat down to a guy once, which before he sat down, he stopped the flight attendant and said, "Excuse me, can I get this ex- extender? And I want to be. like, You should have bought two seats if you knew that coming in. How about this?
1: If you want an extender, you also have to get another seat. It's pretty simple. I,
2: I agree, but that's not how they function. So, uh, so like the extenders are just
1: like a, a, they charge a, me extra if my bag is over, you know, fifty kilograms. Right. But like somebody can be like three yeah. times my how about, weight. How and they about pay I the take? How about price? I take the
2: hundred and fifty pounds that that guy got to bring on? That's not in my body, and I get the put 20 of those in my bag how about that
1: yeah well, How about put, i can just put, strap it
2: to my body let me What's put the difference? three yeah three of those pounds in my carry-on in my check luggage oh no you're 51 pounds you can't check that bag
1: really because that man with with no check bag is 400 pounds and i weigh half of that that's a whole other thing and also when they're calculating takeoff speed they just average the weight they say how many they adults do. and they take the average weight how many children they take the average weight yeah that doesn't help me But uh, so they no. I mean, it just makes me feel better. It's like they know that, like roughly, we need to have this speed with this weight of a plane to take off and all that. They calculate that roughly by how many. Oh yeah, um, there's a formula. There's a
2: formula for it. That yeah, yeah. it's a formula
1: Um, that gets close close enough
2: but uh and and the tolerances are enough that it's always safe even if everyone on the plane is obese you'll still be okay but the seatbelt extenders are (laughs) there
1: that'd be a weird flight but yeah (laughs) the 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 airline seatbelts they're they're designed crash proofs they're pretty now i've got a good would you rather for next time it's going to involve you being on a plane with only obese people (laughs) i love it i love it the plane is probably going down but um yeah, I, w- I think I would choose Surgeon 2 in this situation just because, yeah. like, it's easier to get out of.
2: But, yeah, they hogtied that guy, and they left him in the galley for the rest of the flight. And it was just like, that's, that's a shitty way to land, you know? To land hogtied. Because <laughs> then you still have to talk your way out of it. Like, you know you're going to get – the airline at that point is so committed, like, pot committed – to that, uh, they can't be like, "Oops, our flight attendant overreacted." They'd be like, "Well, he did say something that they thought, and they took a reasonable course of it." Like they're gonna make the legal case that, "Well, you made a bad, a joke in bad taste, so we had to hogtie you for six hours <laughs> on the <laughs> plane." this <laughs> one. And now you have to like argue that as an individual against a company and a,
1: a nation, you know, lo- li- against. That's a why the Delta code. kicking off that old Asian guy when they overbooked the flight. You know bah, that whole thing. Bah. He just kept making that sound. Bah. Ah, yeah that was so weird that video just imagine being on that flight and being like i knew there was fine print to this ticket that said they could do this but like i never thought they would (laughs) i know like i thought they would stop short of dragging an old guy off a plane it's so
2: messed up though that they can sell more seats than there are and then once you're on be like we'll give you money if you pass it up you know no i'm not doing that they go okay well now you have to give it up and we're not going to give you the money yeah it's like what (laughs) Yeah. Like, just think about where else you could do that like you make a restaurant reservation and you get there and you sit down and they go, ooh, we over reserved these tables so you got to get the fuck out like no other business lets you do that hospital beds Think of anywhere else where you can like oversell yeah if, if, a, if, a, if a sports team did that and you showed up to the stadium, and they thought well you know 10% of the people don't show up to yeah, the games yeah we sold a way more tickets than than there are seats yeah. it's like the, what if everyone shows up though? if a movie imagine if avengers did that at the next if marvel did that for the next avengers movie there would be nationwide protests and outrage and it would affect stock prices but airlines do it and it's just like yeah that's how it is just most of the time i guess it
1: works out because enough people don't show up for their flights you know
2: yeah yeah and so they it have ends a monopoly up like on, only on
1: trans, in that on situation with people, the the guy that got dragged off. it was like all the all the the fucking stars were aligned the right way that made it. so nobody was willing to volunteer. Um, yeah, we should wrap yeah. it up, yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, I got stuff to do. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> hang out in that hotel room more, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, we just got food, so oh, nice. Um yeah, I got to go eat dinner myself. I barely ate today. All right. Well, if you want to do a
2: drunk tank later, um text me. Yeah. I All right, I, man. I live here, so <laughs> I do too for the night. So, uh, Thanks for I tuning guess this kind of was uh, a- our
1: psycho babble about poop, museums. It's not quite a drunk tank. We're going to have drunk to come surgery. up with
2: another na- name for it, like Thunk Musings or something.
0: We'll but, we'll um, just
1: call this episode Johnny is in Wisconsin and then I think okay. people will click that out of curiosity, right? Yeah, and then we got them. We got them, yeah. <laughs> they can't leave. Right. They're in the tank. Um. Well, before that. Oh, shit. Um, I kind of let him do that. Not really, though. All right, thanks for listening, and I uh, guess Johnny will get to speak last. And uh, I got nothing. I got to go eat. Bye.
2: Ha, I hug up on him. Uh, Still playing that game, even though it's just the two of us, Uh, and I won. And I am in Wisconsin, and it's not that bad a city. It's fun. Madison, cool town, all that stuff. Uh, Thanks for listening to the cast. This was a splinter cast with just me and Luke. If you were really missing Joe this cast, go screw yourself. You know I'm still here. I'm valid. I'm a person. He'll be back on the next episode. And uh, until then, thanks for checking out The Tank.